Hi, this is Leslie. Hi, this is Andy. And uh, we're gonna, we're on the verge of going to vote. And so we're told um, before we went to vote that this election is the most important election of our time. Uh, President Trump said this is the most important election in history. And um, Biden said we're fighting for the soul of the country. Right. And strangely enough, uh, we disagree. We uh, think that there are some other things that are at stake that are more important than even this election that we're all looking at. So um, off we go. We're going to get into it and uh, try to try to make our point and try to make some sense of all the confusion and uh, chaos that's surrounding this election. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who do consider this really important. And I think it's because, you know, on the one side, Trump is so horrible, so disgusting, and, you know, with his dog whistles to the right wing and, you know, his appeal to vigilanteism, that a lot of people have decided, oh, you know, the most important thing is that we got to get rid of him. And I, I do understand where they're coming from. I mean, I think that a, to see Trump wildly voted out would be somehow satisfying at one level because it would be making a statement that all of this um, crap of his, you know, has been denounced by the American people. But I think we really have to, if we're going to be honest, we have to sort of take this thing apart. What is really at stake in this election? Um, yeah, and I, and I think that that's what we should go into first. Well, yeah, I think that um, that we're made to, we're somehow made to believe, like, uh, like I say, this is the most important election, blah, blah. And we want to... Uh, talk about the things that maybe don't s seem to be related directly to the election, but are being um, rolled out nonetheless, like the development of a fascist state in this country. That's what people are really concerned about, that they're not, um, they're not convinced that we can't go back to a better time, you know, to a better America. Amer America, when you and I came up so many, many moons ago, was uh, had its assorted problems, but there was at least the illusion that we lived in a, a democratic country and that uh, our vote mattered and that we, the people, mm -hmm. determined all things, including the selection and election mm -hmm. of the President of the United States. And uh, that's that's becoming less and less uh, clear. So Yeah, I think that's true that, you know, uh, we were sort of like, well, if you didn't like the way the country was going, it was sort of your own fault you didn't vote enough or you hadn't won enough people over to your position. But that it, the American people somehow, they spoke during the elections, you know, that it made a difference. Now, that's not true. I mean, I don't want to go back into history, but we were under that illusion and i think that this time around 
uh, we have to say that all of that illusion is completely blown away. Yeah. And neither candidate uh, is offering anything for the American people. I mean, uh, the Democrats are not making even a pretense of offering us anything. I mean, like I said, uh, Biden is saying, you know, this is for the soul of the country. What does that mean? What's this elusive soul? We're not promised health care. Um, there's no jobs development program. Uh, there's no uh, guarantee that your health care during a time of COVID is going to be taken care of. There's no promises of anything. In fact, you know, what I see is you know, Biden going more and more for the Republicans who are disenchanted right. with Trump. Oh, you know, absolutely. like they had all those Republicans speak at the convention. Sure. And so, you know, it's not, they're not even pretending to uh, court uh, the interests of the people who are, have the most needs at this time. Yeah, and, the, and this need is like developing exponentially. I mean, we have like... Uh, all at one point during this pandemic, uh, which is a, by the way uh, surging again, but so many people were unemployed. So many people didn't have any uh, means by which to put a roof over their head, and that 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 situation is persisting. That there's people lining up to get uh, bags of food who were formerly employed people making their making their way in the well world. even people who are employed are lining up for food we right. did it ourselves sure. and you know i mean the thing is is there there for a lot of people there just isn't enough income you know that right. their jobs are precarious or they don't pay enough um you know things haven't stopped going up i mean the prices have things have risen during this time your your wages haven't risen and you know the twelve hundred dollar check we got a long time ago is gone for most people. Sure. So I mean, I think there's a real division in how people have been affected by the crisis. I mean, some people have continued to work, continued to be paid, you know, albeit from home, and they're actually saving some money, you know, because they don't have to uh, pay for transportation to work. They don't, you know, all of these extra added expenses that you actually have to pay when you work. Um, maybe you don't go out to eat like you used to, saving a bundle there. But so, you know, while there are people in that situation, I mean, there are a lot of people whose situation is very fragile. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think we need to tell people this. No, I figure no, people no. listening to the podcast already understand that, what is it, 50%? 50%, nearly yeah, 50% yeah. of, you know, American people are in. Uh, a situation where they're on the verge of poverty, if not already in poverty. Something like 18 million children are at hunger risk of hunger. Yeah, insecure. So, and we still have like uh, the the dumping of mm -hmm. half of the food. So it's I think going into landfills. That's where most of the food. That they can't, not, sell, they can't sell, right? Sell. It goes into a landfill. For them jacked up prices. Well, you know, getting back to sort of the election and everything, I mean, we kind of started there because nothing is being promised that will help fix fix our situation. In fact, the only person promising anything uh, is Trump saying he'll send us some money if he gets elected, right. right? Or he'll sign the checks or whatever. But 
you know, I think if we look at what's really at stake in the election, I mean, it's not what they say it is. If either one of them gets elected, I mean, there's a lot of people, especially on the left, uh, a lot of nonprofits and everything, taking the position that, well, Biden is not a good choice, but he will not either not be a fascist or he will slow down the process. That, that's the one I hear. You know, we know we're going into a, that we are, you know, the corporations run run our society right now. Right. And that the, that the brutality in it is increasing all the time. So right. they're saying, well, if we get a Biden, that'll slow it up. He's not quite as much of a fascist as Trump. But I really don't think there's any evidence of that. That's, that's the thing I want to discuss. It's like... Um, we know what his record is. He was Biden. always, yeah, Biden yeah. was always a law and order man. Kamala, you know, top cop in California. I'm not, I guess they don't call him a top cop, but the district, was she the state's attorney, right? Right. And had policies of keeping people in prison because they wanted uh, uh, slave labor to put out fires. Right. You know, and there are these films of her chuckling about her, her uh, toking up uh, on marijuana while she was putting people in jail for it and not or not even allowing those people to go out of jail when the rest right. of the state, you know, had legal uh, cannabis. So, I mean, we know what these people are about. There's nothing in their record. In fact, the rhetoric, I mean, we should talk about some of the rhetoric in this campaign. It's it's like a, a anti-red campaign, right? Right, absolutely. They can't. Everybody's got to outdo each other on how they, uh, you know, are against the Russians Russian. and against the communists and, you know, socialist. Uh, I'm not a socialist, and everybody can't deny fast enough. You know. Well, what? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if the the policies that are that are coming out now that are being projected. One, we as we point out, they they offer nothing substantial, nothing in the way of like Medicare for all or uh, housing or any anything substantive. So that people who are grasping at this straw that this is the Democratic Party is they're grasping. They're they're grasping at thin air. There's nothing to substantiate the idea that we're going to get any break at all. Mm-hmm. In fact. Um, some of some of the indications are it might get worse in the economic area or in the COVID area. Well, what happens when people rebel in that situation? Do we expect that uh, yeah. the state, the government, will be any less mm-hmm. likely to right. uh, implement you know fascist yeah. law? That's the thing we have to consider. If they're not going to give us anything, well, what happens when all these moratoriums on evictions and yeah. housing foreclosures do come to an end? They they haven't promised to be extending this or solving this crisis whatsoever. So what's or, go- what's going to happen when that happens? They, you know, I mean, we could go into all of the various issues and maybe we should touch on some of them uh, to understand how they're going to react. Well, yeah, let's talk about that um, because we we have been contending in, in conversations with people that there's something happening that's somewhat outside 
uh, the public view, and that is the introduction over the last 40 years of robotic technology, which undermines the ability of me, you, or any other working person to sell their labor. If I go to um, a coffee shop and they've installed a robotic barista who makes the coffee, then I'm much less likely to have a job <laughs> as a barista. Coffee. And right. uh, if you listen to the last podcast, there's a lot of disenchanted <laughs> uh, baristas out there who are getting screwed. And we're we're looking at this. What's happened during the uh, COVID, during the pandemic, is it gave people who produce robots an opportunity to get those robots placed into production to begin to experiment with them. They experimented experimenting with them in retail. Mm -hmm. They're experimenting with them more in production. Well that's the thing in healthcare. Yeah. There there's uh, this is going on while the pandemic is going on and there that's accelerating yeah. the institutionalization of robotics on the job right i and mean that's we, happening for sure one yeah. of the things that we were discussing earlier was the the percentage what was that percentage we read that by uh it's predicted and you know these are some many economists are saying this by 2030 half the jobs will be that are presently done by humans right. will be taken over uh, by robotics and computers. I right. mean, and we, we, we all have witnessed this. But I think, you know, the thing is, is that, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, we've, we've tried to point out that we don't think that the coronavirus is the reason for the tanking of the economy. No. If you look back, it was beginning to tank back in uh, December 2019. Well, many economists are now saying that 50% of the jobs that we presently have humans doing will be eliminated by 2030. Right. And we have all sorts of things, I think, that are indications to people of what is coming. And I think it's important for us um, to understand what, what this has meant to the economy. You know, in 2008, when we had the crash, um, afterwards, you know, one of the ways in which people got jobs was sort of the development of this gig economy. But let's face it, I mean, we've never really recovered from that, at least a good deal of the people. There's a whole section of this uh, population that, you know, we refer to, you and I, as the new class. It's a new class of people who are contingent, part-time, their jobs are insecure, gig right. economy workers. And um, these people are, uh, you know, the dispossessed of the working class, you might say. The yeah. people who have been, you know, uh, are a victim of automation. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you look at the word gig, I mean, <laughs> usually it refers to a musician. Job. Yeah. A musician who goes out hustles up mm -hmm. a, a job and then gets it. So now we have like this idea of everybody doing that 
you know, unmask so that you, uh, before the COVID. You say unmasked? In mask. In mask. Unmasked, in mask. But they, <laughs> they're, they're going out trying to hustle up these gigs. And the, the fact is, they had an overabundance of those workers prior to the COVID. Uber had all oh, kinds yeah. of people driving so many that you couldn't hardly make a living if you drove 12 hours a day. You, you were still up against it. Then they changed the policy so that, that the corporate got more of the uh, share of the ride than you got. More and more that that's what's happening, that people who are engaged in these contingency jobs are being exploited to the max. All their time is taken up. Uh, there's no security. There's no health care. There's no vacation. Right. There's no insurance. Everything, they're on their own. But they're more and more that, that the little bit of money that they are able to make is eaten up. You know, it's eaten up by the corporate taking a bigger and bigger share. But now, yeah. with the COVID, there is no Uber operation that's worth a damn. Yeah, nobody to wants to take Uber. I mean, I think they're yeah. getting somewhere with delivering food or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, really, I mean, it's not picking up the slack. And no. there are plenty of people, I mean, I think... We know this uh, right around us that people are sort of doubling up in apartments. Uh, there, people haven't paid. I think there's a huge percentage of people who haven't paid their mortgages for a few months. Their house notes are going unpaid. You know, I mean, really, we're we're sitting on the edge of a super housing crisis. I mean, already, I I saw this thing on Los Angeles in terms of the homeless that you know the uh, mayor of Los Angeles decided that they were going to stop sweeping the streets because they were told you know by health officials that it was safer if people would stay you know in their place you know in a tent on a block or something right, right. and so what's consequently happened is these blocks have just grown and grown uh, you know miles of people that have become homeless the beaches like Venice Beach people are camping out on the sand you know in their tents and stuff and you know here in um, Chicago uh, we know that the shelters are full and that there are more and more encampments developing but one of the biggest manifestations is the doubling up in apartments the families oh, are yeah. moving in with each other. So we're on the verge of a huge, huge crisis there. Um, before we start talking about, you know, I mean, this, I think the thing we wanted to talk about was that these are the people who are really in need and suffering, the, the new class of people, but there is nothing for them in this election. Nothing. No, I you mean, know, they, they, that tax increase, I mean, or tax tax uh, decrease what did that do you know for anybody in the new class yeah i think that i think before we leave that this topic though i do think it's important to understand that people uh want very badly to have stability they want very badly to be able to send their kids to school put a roof over their head house them, get their teeth fixed, all those kinds of things are very important to each individual family. 
All right. And that what we're trying to get across is we're not going towards that. We're not going back to that. That, that, yeah. if, that if that existed for a certain percentage of the working class in the past, well, that's disappearing for that percentage as well. Mm -hmm. That the dispossession of the working class is not just the homeless guy that you see in the street or in the tent. It's also, like you say, the people who are doubling up in the home. It's also the the kid who has to go home to live because he's underwater yeah. on his yeah. school school yes. school loan. Right. Can't get a job. Right. And in this in this situation, it's delusional to keep saying well everything's going to return to normal. The the thing mm -hmm. that Obama tried to sell to coal miners who were being displaced as coal mining became more and more obsolete and it cost it wasn't worth worth mining coal anymore. Obama suggested that we're going to retrain these workers to to do programming. <laughs> now everybody who lived in Appalachia and or who knew coal miners knew that was a non-starter from the get-go. Yeah. They weren't they weren't going to be able to go back or take the time off to afford the schooling to live on a stipend when they were used to making mm -hmm. seventy, eighty thousand dollars a yeah, year. Yeah, and there's no industry where there's they are no, for technology. No. So it was bull and, and oh, yeah. that's what that's what we're being sold by by particularly by the Democrats. That yeah. somehow that they are gonna provide salvation for us. That's my biggest gripe. You know, when I go out to vote, I'm not gonna tell you who I'm gonna vote for. It won't be Trump. <laughs> won't and be Biden. <laughs> won't, probably won't be Biden. But but the thing is, like, I'm resisting the idea of giving any credibility, any credence to the Democratic Party's crap. Mm -hmm. They 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 uh, chuck Bernie to the curb when he his program represented what we wanted, and now he's apparently drunk the Kool-Aid, too, because he's out there... <laughs> well, he knows which side his bread is yeah, buttered he, on. He was, a, he was, I hate to say it, but he was a turncoat from he the was, beginning. He's a sheepdog. He did the same thing last yeah. time. You know, just herd us all back into the Democratic Party. But we here in Chicago, you know, we have... Uh, we're Democrats. Everybody's Democrats, right? All the politicians. I mean, you, you can find a Republican, but not very often. And what do we have? We have the, all of these problems that we're talking about, uh, we have in spades. And so, you know, we're not getting any answers from the Democratic Party machine. Not a one. No. And, you know, that's, that's the thing that people have to understand. You know, that, um, I mean, even the so-called progressives, what are they able to do? I'm, I'm not putting them all down in one swipe, but, you know, I mean, very little is coming through even even using their positions as bully pulpits to try to agitate for something there's a few that try to put forward a few things but it's usually the kind of things that i've seen mostly nonprofits trying to put forward is a tweak here and a tweak there we're going to fight for this little policy we're going to fight for that little policy but we're not solving the main issues well, I mean, I I, I, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit more about the electronics? Um, 
before we start talking about what are the issues and yeah i do i do i think it's like really important because like everybody's heard about this stuff and it sort of looms out there as like something in the future like ai but the but people don't realize this is sweeping through every field every uh, well i think the thing too that people don't realize is that they're gonna you know it's it's being built right now yeah you know we're we're in the middle of a downturn in the economy so what's coming you know like like they've talked about where we're going to bring uh we're going to get the supply chain going here at home right right we're going to bring industry back here well they might but if they bring it back with robots and computers there's going to be precious little jobs created by you know, uh, bringing manufacturing home. It's not going to be like the old days. That, though, I think people have to understand this, that the contract, the social contract with an employer that took care of you if you did your job, over, gone. Yeah. And I don't think, if, if we have to keep saying that, it's like people need to wake up and smell the coffee. Well, it's gone. I think, yeah, it's gone. And I think that... Everything uh, is being looked at from the point of view of, well, what works? And now what works is like uh, uh, a robotic production line, uh, as Amazon is the best evidence of that. Works like a charm, doesn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, yeah. th- think about it. We sit here in the apartment, call. <laughs> the next day, we get whatever the hell it is we wanted. Call hell. Or just, just yeah, punch, just punch it in. Punch <laughs> it in, and bang, we pay for it. And yeah. get it, and the, uh, the and it's like an amazing system. Now we are not objecting to the use of the technology to save people's backs and whatever. That's cool. But what we are objecting to is that this is all controlled by a small class of multi-billionaires who are taking up, by everybody's estimate, over... I mean, well, they they say that the top one percent has fifty percent of more than the wealth of the bottom fifty percent of the people in the country, and you've got you know like uh, Jeff Bezos talk about Amazon, who you know has made a killing during COVID. Right. While they cry these little crocodile tears for the small businesses that are folding right and left. And those guys can't get, when they try to get loans, they can't get them because these medium-sized companies are soaking them up. And they don't care. More for them. What does Jeff Bezos care if your hardware store folds that a mom and pop were running down the street? He didn't care. More for him. Yeah. We have to order all our little nuts and bolts now. From him, and he's on road to being a trillionaire. So yeah. I mean, it's just so it's, obvious what has happened, and I think that what we're trying to say here is we don't have uh, a system. We don't. We can't elect our way into something better. Right. They have a chokehold on the system. They are. They put. They kick out any candidate like Bernie who came and put forward a program that you want. Right. And they force you to choose between Tweedledee and Tweedledum. You got one guy, you know, who who's a vulgar, open, racist, dog, fascist, and then you got another guy 
uh, who's demented, but the fascist agenda backing him up is just as strong. And I think I think we're going to see that. There's nothing. There's nothing there to show that we're going to get anything. Well, I think that that's right. I think that. So we when, have to talk when, about. When, well, then, when, what is when, it? What is it that we need? Well, we don't need an oligarchy, and that's <laughs> what we have. We have like even by Jimmy Carter, who was, you know, uh, who's Mash still alive, but he's uh, elder statesman. He he was the president, and he said that we don't live in a democracy, we live in an oligarchy. Yet people insist that we can change things by participating in the democratic elections and by supporting the candidate of our choice and uh, all the, all things can be changed in this manner. Well, it's- I think most people know that's a lie. And, and, well, and what is it, half the country doesn't even go vote. That's, and, that's, and I think that's because they know that it's futile. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that you, you that you want, want like we used to say, you can wish in one hand and do something else in the other and see which one fills up faster. But people uh, who are wishing and hoping that things will get better need to be uh, appraised of how bad things are going to get because there's no sense in them going forward operating off of this misconception. They're just going to get hurt. They're just, they're, their future's at stake. Yeah. I think we need to talk now, like move towards, like, well, what is it that the new class needs to do? I mean, we're saying that the answer does not lie in this election, no matter how you vote, because the outcome is going to be grim. Yeah, we, I, we don't I have a spend two we, minutes in the voting booth we don't, the rest of your time. You know, educating yourself and others. Well, yeah, but I think what, educating around what? I mean, I think we need to come to some understandings with each other. And that is, like, what what is our role? Who, who are we in history? See, I think a lot of people look at histories made by the big shots, right? It, but when you look at, like, how histories, you know, revolutions have happened... And, and I think if we're defining what's happening now, it is a revolution. It's a revolution in the tools of production. They've changed from being human beings who put things together to being machines and computers who are doing all the work. And that's, that's going to happen, though, more and more and more, right? So when that happens, then the society has to change. I mean, because what we've got now, if we let it go the way it's going now, what are we going to be considered? I mean, they already use the term useless eaters to describe millions of people who, who they no longer need in production. Useless eaters. I mean, we're people out here who have to be controlled. That's why we have fascism. That's why it's going to get worse. Because what are we going to do when we can't get our food? They don't need us to work. If they don't need us, they're not going to feed us. We keep saying that. But what does that really mean? What does it mean for us? So I think we, we also, though, we have to see what kind of role this class of useless eaters is going to have to play. I mean, yeah. we've got a planet that's going to hell in a hurry. Yeah. The climate is changing, the seas are rising, the, you know, the heat, the this, the that, the storms. Fires. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. So 
who's going to save us? Well, the people that are going to save us, if we have any hope at all, are ourselves. Right. The people who are not getting anything out of this society. Right. Who need seriously to have it changed. If they're going to even, you know, take care of themselves and their families, right? right. Then we're the ones who are going to have to see that it gets changed. And I think if we become aware of that, who we are, you know, and what's our vision of the future... We're constantly lied to. We're we're constantly trying to waylay us, right? Oh, you're nobody. You can do nothing. But we're a huge force if we understand how we need to unify. <clears throat> Let's just take the example of housing, for instance. Like you've got people who own little houses and they're um, in danger of foreclosure. I mean, there's literally millions of people who haven't paid their house note. In a few months, right. there's all these renters. Rents are constantly going up. We're being gentrified the hell out of here in Chicago. So we had to move recently. We had to find a cheaper place. We know everybody. That's the story of your life. You're on the move all the time to try to find a cheaper place. Right. Then you've got homelessness, which is the worst aspect of what happens to you. And it doesn't it seem logical that we need to unite with each other and look at this problem as one. This is yeah. one problem. I don't care if you own a home and I don't. We need to be one. I'm for you keeping your home. You're for me keeping my shelter. You know, these things are... The homeless can't be looked at as a separate little entity with their own pathological problems. That's the way they like to do it and isolate them. They once had a place. They were once someplace. So... Do you see what I'm saying here yeah, yeah. in terms of like how we have to start looking at ourselves as a class? We are a class of people in a dilemma. There might be differences. The other thing that they have divided us on, they've got us so siloed. It's like we're all divided now by race. We're all divided by nationality. We're all divided by sexual orientation and gender and every way in the world that they can split us up and tell us you can't. You can't think for anybody else outside your little tiny silo. Right. Well, we really have to put an end to that and say, I know where my interests are. My interests are with brothers and sisters who all have to keep from being killed by the police, keep food on the table, take care of their families. That These are the people we have a common bond with and that we need to bond with. You know, we need yeah. to we need to form this bond and form it quick. Yeah. And start fighting for this common agenda. Right. I agree. I mean, I think that it runs the gamut from the uh, environment to the basic needs yes. of human beings and that it also breaks all the barriers between people from different nationalities or people people who are moving because of wars or uh, climate change that these various crises have put like already uh, 37 million people are uh, on the road looking for a safe place to live and they're, they're all over the world most of that has been mm -hmm. caused by uh, war yeah. uh, that, that the United States initiated yeah. that, that the idea of solving the world's problems 
uh, in any kind of equitable way where people would come first right. goes against the profit system. Right. The profits that are required are maximum profits, not, not a little bit of profit. They're really pushing for uh, total control. And they aim to get it. So yeah. whatever you're whatever you're suffering uh, they don't care and they they yeah, I think I, I think that we come to this uh, expecting policy to be done on the basis of logic and <laughs> reasonableness in other words it's like, all reasonable to them well it's yeah, what they want to, to us our reasoning says look our children are suffering well our, see our, I, our yeah. communities are yeah. being uh, attacked we're under violent repression. See, I think we, what we need to do, though, really, is talk about, okay, if first step is unity, understanding what we have in common, understanding we're a class, that we are the salvation of the planet. Right. That's not an exaggeration. Not at all. Okay. Then what is it we will have to have? They would say, well, then your voice, you know, raise your voice, get out there, do this, do that. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. We, we, we have to take control. Right. We have to get a hold of the economy. If we don't take the, uh, you know, take hold of the reins of the economy, if we don't control production and how it gets distributed, we're not going to solve anything. Right. Anything short of that. It's not going to work. Right. So I think people have to understand that that's that's where we're going. If we want to, if we want to accomplish our vision of a society uh, where we can live and thrive, and have you know peace in the world, all these good, all this good stuff, we are going to have to take the control of the society, take right. over, and that means private property got to go. Right. And I'm not talking about your little house. No. I'm talking about the fact that who owns all these computers and this automation and these factories and everything? Who's Who's got the foot on our neck or the knee on our neck? Who is it that is exercising that on us? Yeah. That's what we've got to remove. And to that end, I think we have to understand where we're going. And it's hard for people to come to that. But until we do, we're not going to be able to proceed. Well, it would help if we had a unifying program, you know, that would allow people to plug in to to say, well, what do we want? We want uh, safe housing, healthy jobs. We want... Uh, you know, relief from the police. We want community control of police. We want education for our children all the way through college. We we want all these we things. We want science to lead. Yeah, and we, even if we can't pay for it, that's what we need. So yeah. we have to start from the basis of what we need and make our own independent program based on that, Like sort of like the little five-point program that the... Uh, Puerto Rican concerned voters came up with and you and I put out there and published um, people shrink from the idea that we have to control things but what happens if we don't what happens is uh, 
Well, it's us or them. It's us or them. You know, and them is a very small uh, grouping of people. However, they are surrounded by people who are doing okay, who thrive. There's money in this country. There's wealth out there. There's a lot of wealth. And those that's the base of support. However, we are a growing and greater number. Right. The, and like I was saying before, if 50% of the people haven't even voted, that's like, <clears throat> think of it. I mean, that's a huge mass of people. Not to rock the vote, but to think about organizing and unifying. And they have used, I mean, you know, the propagandist for the ruling class. Right. Has used this whole period of time, you know, Trump and the Democrats and everything, to divide us in so many ways. You know, I mean, with Hillary and her basket of deplorables and, you know, um, like rural and urban and by nationality, race, gender, all of those things just completely got us uh, disunified, thinking our interests lie with this or that jackass that's right. a that's a corporate... You know, shill. I mean, nothing could be more against our interests. So I think that's our first task, really, is to start understanding what our interests are and where where do they lie. And maybe we should kind of wrap it up in looking again at the elections. Is there, you know, that we started out this thing with saying that we did not think the election was the most important thing to concentrate on. No, in fact, let's say right up front, the most important thing is to unify this disunified or right. uh, divided right. working class. Right. And that's, that so many questions are being asked and so many different kinds of answers are coming forward. I mean, I know... Uh, People, you know, who you would think they would never vote for this guy or they would never vote for that guy who are right on board. Their their expectations are somehow I'm going to mm-hmm. get my problem solved this way or yeah. that way through this or that party. Yeah. And, and we have to say, no, we need to go towards an independent mm-hmm. uh, position. Now, that might take yeah. the form of a third party, which mm-hmm. you and I have investigated, and there is a lot of interest in that. Hundreds I think it's going thousands. to happen. There it's will be third happen, parties, right? and the thing that will be essential there is to ensure that they really are a vehicle for this new class to right. get what it needs and not just another party that the ruling class has finagled its way into control because that's another thing that we have noticed that they get themselves into every single one of these movements and struggles and start investing capital in them really so that they can control them well we need an independent we need to be independent and i think the other thing that you and i um were discussing some is like the you know for instance what you know, how, how the American people, a lot of them, went for Trump. You know, first of all, I think a lot of people with some money went for Trump. But then what have, what about poor people, you know, and working people who went for Trump? I mean, they, the fact that, you know, um, you're insecure in your work makes you vulnerable to 
all sorts of xenophobia. It's the immigrants. Keep them out. They might take my job. This is historic. The American working class has fallen for this over and over throughout history. Oh, Oh, the Chinese are coming. Uh, The Japanese. I mean, it's one one group or another that they they have to get up in arms to keep out and protect their jobs. Well, that's what Cecil Rhodes said. Mm. I can use one half of the working class to kill the (laughs) other half. Well, yes, and and so these things, you know, they're they have made use of this this um, backwardness in our country. And the other thing is the, this ball and chain that we keep dragging, you know, from slavery, and and those kinds of sentiments and divisions that have been made in our society. And we have to come to grips with this if we don't understand that um, it's in only our, our rulers' interests that, um, that we cleave to the, you know, this isolationism or protectionism or xenophobia or racism or whatever ideologies uh, that they keep churning out. They never tire of like organ grinders, just peddling, peddling in one form or another. Yeah. And then they attack the cl- working class for having those ideologies. Oh, they look at their deplorables, right? They'll say from one for one group to another. We have to get beyond that and ca- have a new day. You know, we don't need gut checking. We need people to realize what is in their interest and come together on those things. Well, yeah, and we don't need people. Uh guilt trip in people who don't vote. I mean, if you if you don't vote, but you want to unify the working class around a program that will free free us, then cool, that's cool with me. I'm not going to be I'm not going to tell you, "Oh, you really got to go vote. You're obligated to go mm-hmm. vote for the Democrats or or whatever." It's not true. And it's like you can be very effective you know, and very useful by educating people and uh, organizing people and, you know, teaching people the necessity of this unity. Because it's not automatic. I no, mean, I know. And it's, it's not only is it not automatic, they're doing everything they can to prevent it. Yes. So that they, they, they couch things in terms that seem like reasonable, but it's like... Uh, they're really based on keeping us divided. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the nonprofits do this most effectively. So we're we're up against some real stiff opposition. Yes, and I think you know what's that old thing from the cartoons? We have uh, met, met the, the enemy, enemy and, and he is, is us. us. Yeah. yeah, and he is us. That's Pogo. Yeah. yeah, and and there's some truth to that. And I think yeah. until we um, educate each other. And and form unity with each other, we will. Well, that's just the task that we have to accomplish right now. And right. I I think we will. Um, I think we're going to have to, because uh, I don't. I think whoever gets elected, it's going to be rough. We're yeah. going to be facing a, a rough time coming up. So, brothers and sisters, yeah. stay strong. And and, uh, please uh, share, you know, these these words that we've had to say and um, let us know what you think. Feedback, feedback. 
And um, and we'll be talking to you again sometime. Yes. And I say question private property. <laughs> okay, y'all. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye.